writers, agents, and publishers, for the first time since the Gutenberg Press, find themselves lost in a maze of mystery as technology alters the shape of the publishing industry. Searching for Answers is a group of writers throwing pop culture, writing, and publishing into a crucible of clarity, passion, and humor. This group is the right path. In this episode, including our mini-series on promotion, we are going to talk about how to connect with your readers. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Right Pack Radio. This is your host, producer, and crazy guy, David Allen Lucas, author of God knows what now, and also president of St. Louis Writers Guild, president of Winding Trails Media, martial arts instructor, determined to make people safer, more confident in everything that they do, and wow, that too many hats. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Hello, I'm Kathleen Kayembe. I write speculative fiction. You can find my stories in Lightspeed and Nightmare magazines and in the Best Science Fiction Fantasy of the Year, Volume 12, edited by uh, Jonathan Strahan. Um, and uh, yeah, I run workshops at conventions occasionally, and I'm sorry you probably didn't get to go to mine at, at uh, GatewayCon. Hopefully you did, because it, I'm sure it was amazing. But... If you do want to see me, you can go to ReaderCon this year, because I will be there. And by the way, why are you going to be at ReaderCon? I have to drag this out of her every time. The Shirley Jackson Awards are at ReaderCon, and my novelette, You Will Always Have Family, a triptych, was nominated for a Shirley Jackson Award. And the reason why I said I'm sure that her workshop was amazing, and if you are a long-term fan, you know generally we are recording in the past, and this is actually being recorded days before we go live at GatewayCon. So, yeah, this is right now completely insane, so is Brad. And speaking of Brad, the the Sky Captain pirate himself. Yes, uh, Brad Arcook. Author of the Iron Chronicles and uh, you know several other things as well. Uh, you can check it all out at bradrcook.com and uh, probably in the very near future I'm releasing something. So go check it out. <laughs> and also with me is my lovely wife who puts up with everything I do. I'm Melanie Lucas. Maybe I got some writing done at GatewayCon. Who knows? Well, well actually, the you listeners probably know by now. <laughs> yes, and. Also with us is the Madonna of Mayhem and Murder. Fedora Amos. I write Victorian whodunits like Jack the Ripper at St. Louis and Mayhem at Buffalo Bill's Wild West. And coming from Five Star in 2019, have your ticket punched by Frank James. I'm also president of Greater St. Louis Sisters in Crime. And I was at Bait Gateway Con too. I hope you stop by the Sisters in Crime table and said hello. There you go. And also with us is the Maestro of the pen, of the, of the computer pen, <laughs> and drawings, as well as creating her own world. I'm maestro today. My name is Jennifer Stolzer. I'm a children's book author and illustrator. My fantasy novel, Birdcaster, is available on Amazon, and if you're local to the St. Louis area, you can get signed copies at Novel Labor in Webster Groves and Main Street Books in St. Charles. I also have pitch books, uh, Dog Park, and Dog Park 2, hopefully coming soon, uh, up on Amazon and in those places as well. You didn't have it done in time for GatewayCon? I did not have it done in time for GatewayCon because, uh, as our listeners probably have noticed, I've been absent for several episodes here and there because I keep getting ill and I can't do anything when I'm laying on the couch wishing for death. <laughs> well, we're glad that you're feeling better today. Yes. Thank yes. you. I'm well yes. medicated today. Oh, yes. good. 
So today we're going to talk about reaching your readers. And I don't mean writing a good story and connecting with them in the novel, because that's what you should be doing anyway. Um, I'm talking about how do you, how do you connect with your readers on other platforms? And I don't, I am including social media, but I don't, don't mean just social media. How do you connect them, connect them face to face maybe? How do you connect with them with your newsletter? If you have a newsletter, if you don't have a newsletter, why don't you? How do you connect with them in the world? So, who would like to take us off? Actually, I'll tell you one thing right now before I just kick the ball, and that is, this is a cardinal sin of most writers, and I am throwing this in there. I know everybody has heard this before, but if you are new to the channel, you may not have. So, let me throw it out here. If you write a blog or a newsletter, the cardinal sin of every one of us writers is to write about what we know, which is how to write. What? Yeah. How? But you're told to write what you know. I don't you understand. Are. That's silly, so Kathleen. I don't know how to write. <laughs> but here's the th- here's the problem. How much of your audience are actually writers? Now, if you are writing a book about how to write, or you're writing articles about how to write, you've got a job of Writer's Digest. How to write. Great. You're, you're on target because you've got your you've got your readership. You're connected. But if your reader is oh, say somebody down the road who doesn't care about how you write the book, they just want a good book. You you kind of lost them with your articles there. So what are some of the things you guys do? Yes. Well, I'll start. Uh, Facebook. I did, and I know Facebook is for old codgers, and that's okay because I am one. So I'm happy with that. And what I do on Facebook. On many occasions, like my post today, was strictly about Gateway Con. It was about the book fair and trying to get my friends and the people who look at my Facebook page to come out next week to the book fair, which is free, and it has a lot of other things, too, that are on, like the support dogs and so on, that I think would be of general interest. So that's what I did today. But ordinarily, I do an historical post because that is my big thing. That's what I'm interested in. It's what I love. And I think that uh, it draws people to look at them because I have probably a really ridiculous way of looking at things from history and applying them to, to things of today. So check out my blog. It's at Fedora. I mean, my Facebook. It's at FedoraAmos.com. <laughs> It's not that either. It's Victoria was <laughs> author. That's what it is on Facebook. <laughs> but if you want to look at fedoraavis.com, I would not be, you know, disappointed. <laughs> okay. Um, anybody else? Yes, Jen. Uh, well, I'll just tailor it specifically to my situation. I'm an artist, and I also am trying to build a fantasy world. Uh, my my novel Threadcaster takes place in my own fantasy dimension that I invented and I intend to continue publishing within that world so people who have read Threadcaster will then be able to read the next one and know the rules of the world and it'll have crossover characters and stuff like that. So when I post to my blog, which is uh, Threadcaster.com, when I post to my blog it's usually uh, concept work or artwork or something that I'm working on to further grow that world so people who have read the book uh, are interested to see, well, this is what that looked like when I was there. Or perhaps, oh, I wonder when I'll get to see this thing in the real, in, in within the fantasy world. So I focus more on, like, 
uh, on visual art and less on writing when it comes to my blog. Well, you want? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the look. I was on jump. Go for it. I am horrible at this. So uh, the the anyway. best way people can you know connect with me is on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But I, I check it so sporadically, and then like wh- whoever's following me will just see like a barrage of retweets, and then maybe one thing about my day. Like <laughs> periodically, I'll post weird things that happen at work. Like I'm pretty sure I helped some people case our place. Like, <laughs> I just. And then I also had a woman trying to hire me as a PI. So, I mean, I'll post about weird stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, usually I don't feel like my life is that interesting. But your reblogs are interesting, though. They are. And they're on theme as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you reblog stuff that you find interesting. And since we like you and we follow you, and we, we then are interested in what interests you and what you want to share with us. So, reblogging other people's content is not a bad strategy to keep your, your blog fresh if you're a Twitter or a Tumblr or a Facebook person. Yeah. I also, like, some people have, like, uh, added me in, in reviews of my work or said nice things, and I am the most awkward turtle. So, like, I'll favorite it and then be like, I'm not supposed to talk to people, and, like, that's all I'll do. So, if you ever done that for me, I, I'm sorry if I didn't talk to you. I, I didn't know I was supposed to or allowed to. Um, I'm super shy and awkward, like a turtle. Brad, you should talk now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I mean, you guys have said it. You connect through, you know, Facebook and social media. Uh, I as well like Tumblr. That's where I tend to post most regularly, yeah, so to speak. But I try and repost, say something interesting when I can. There's just something uh, about the blue garbage site that draws you in. A little bit. Uh, well, well, you know, you Tumblr is just ex- fun. Explain the blue garbage. It, she, it's, a, it's, she, it's just a reference to Tumblr. Tumblr is blue. Yeah. And it's, blue. and it's uh, it's just sort of like a big refuse pile. People just dump a whole bunch of random stuff on top of. Gotcha. Yeah. Like Mondays, I tend to talk about books. Tuesdays, I tend to talk about like what book just came out that day. Uh, and then Wednesdays, I tend to talk about writing because writing Wednesdays. <laughs> uh, Thursdays, I tend to throw it back to uh, usually some old movie or something like that. Throwback Thursday for Throwback Thursdays, and then uh, come around somewhere in the Friday-ish is all me and fun and doing whatever I feel like. Uh, because uh, I don't care. Uh, Friday's just for fun. And then Friday's for fun. I will occasionally... The steampunk gets thrown in throughout there. Uh, and sometimes I'll just go weeks without posting steampunk and realize, oh yeah, I'm a steampunk author. I should probably post some steampunk <laughs> stuff that I have backed up in my queue. I keep a queue. Uh, my likes are in Tumblr are a queue for me to yeah. essentially stuff that I'm probably going to reblog at some point or it's of interest only to me where I go. It'll stay in my likes and never make it out of there. Uh, and then, you know, that just works its way out to the other ones. I also use Instagram a lot too as where I'll post stuff and then let it aggregate out. Um, I've been running to Facebook less and less just because it doesn't seem to be where my writing you know where my fans are necessarily the most but I'm there you know I I get my Facebook notifications. The, the people who've liked your page have not heard from you at such and such a time. <laughs> you know, maybe they want to hear from you. So mm-hmm. I tend to listen to those notifications. Tumblr makes me laugh, though, for the whole, like, uh, so-and-so's uh, posted, you love them. Uh-huh. You know, which is just a weird way of reminding you to go check Tumblr. Um, <laughs> so I, It's really, it's just about consistent, uh, consistency. Like, I have not been consistent for the last few weeks because of Gateway Con. Right. Uh, which means that if you go through my Tumblr right now, it is a hodgepodge of weird stuff that just happens to get thrown up when I'm like, oh, that would be funny. Let's toss that up real quick. I have five seconds. So, <laughs> it'll become more regular uh, here after June. So, you post every day on Tumblr? Uh, when I'm consistent. <laughs> <laughs> and every day on Instagram? 
not it, uh, it depends. Uh, some months, yes. Instagram, no, because Instagram has to be an interesting photo. So Instagram tends to be a couple times a month. So twice a month on Instagram. Oh no, no, more than that. More okay. than twice a month, but maybe once a week yeah. on Instagram. Okay, we're getting we're getting a profile of you now. <laughs> and you say you do Facebook. How often would you do that? Oh, every Facebook's an, an aggregate of everything else, so everything just posts from either Tumblr, like my Tumblr hits my Twitter and hits my Facebook. So so it's automatic. Yeah, it's an automatic thing. So I, I'm posting across the board every day if I'm consistent. But that's it. In those three, any any others? Come on, give us the uh, whole thing occasionally. Uh, just to keep myself businessly oriented, and there's some writing stuff that goes on there. Uh, and then, yeah, pretty much those are it. I'm not a Snapchat. I don't like Snapchat. I haven't figured out Snapchat enough to. We're all my, too old. It's stuff. all good. <laughs> well, I, let me phrase it. Sir, I figured out, out Snapchat to the point where I could use it for what I'm trying to promote. So we've got Jen, we've got Kathleen, and then I'm going to shoot something. So go ahead. Oh, I wanted to highlight uh, something that uh, that Brad, you know, he said it. He didn't bring attention to it. No. But the fact that he's using uh, conventions, you know, one per day, writing Wednesday, throwback Thursday, fun Friday. Uh, those are great ways to prompt you what you want to put on your blog. But even in a broader sense, uh, there's great stuff that you can post about all these national blank days, like yes. National Talk Like a Pirate Day. If you're writing a pirate book, what a great time to post. Arg, it's Talk Like a Pirate Day, just to remind you. I'm I out here, readers. I pirate post every September. So, uh, I one year I actually took Earth Day since my since Threadcaster has elemental curses in it, and I said, "Hey, it's Earth Day. Hug your favorite rock." And then there's a picture of Cat and Peter. And Peter starting to stone. I have so, to celebrate a lot of those, like National Turtle Day was last week, and I made a big couple of posts about turtles. So I'll ju- I'll totally jump on that bandwagon. Yeah. Here. So if you're looking for something, if you're over here with your your newsletter, it's like, oh gosh, I don't know what to put in my newsletter, or you have your blog, and it's like, I don't know what to write. On my blog. If I'm not here writing about tips for writing, then what do I write about? Uh-huh. Like, well, you know, this uh, the other day was National Best Friends Day. Write yeah. about either your best friend or the best friend of the character in your novel, or maybe a story about best friends. You want to write a travel? <laughs> so it's uh, it, you can find prompts everywhere, and they're provided to you by the American government. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Twitter's is. like, you know, trend now trending or something. Yeah. It's probably a better place. Yeah. Yeah. You can go to us.gov, I suppose. Well, it's, it's, a national, <laughs> it's a national day of blank, so. There is a, there's a place out there, too, that on the web that has stuff that like that. So, uh, we'll turn this over to Kathleen. Well, I yeah. try to see that still in tech. A couple questions. First, yeah. I heard Monday through Friday. What about weekends? I, I don't post that much on the weekends because I'm usually busier um, and not connected to my computer, which is where I do most of my social media from, less so my phone. Also, every human being needs a break. That too. Um, However, um, I tend to live tweet the weekends. So live tweeting is, you know, me sitting here just farting my thoughts out into Twitter. And um, while I'm usually excellent. So uh, I do it at Samuels Writers Guild events. You can follow me on the first Saturday of every month and learn what the speaker is talking about. Feel free. Hashtag SLWG. Um, but the other one is, uh, I like to tweet about movies that I'm watching, uh, especially old ones that are funny and stupid and crazy and <laughs> have something in them that's really horrible or, you know, something that's just hilarious. Uh, and then, you know, I'll live tweet, um, well, it's usually, yeah, it's usually movies and TV and stuff like that. Or I'm watching tennis and I'll tweet out about 
Uh, I don't tend to tweet out about sports, though. I'm superstitious. Mm. I've cost the Cardinals too many uh, games <laughs> by tweeting out in the middle of them. So, so I, you're I, the reason. I am. I'll, I'll cost us the pennant one year. I'll apologize. <laughs> I'm just not going to tell you which year. Um, <laughs> but uh, because of that, I actually only tweet at the end of sporting events now, so unless it's a tennis match. It's <laughs> a lot of for one person. Is um, it not? It's scary how much power one can hold. Yeah. I, I <laughs> you believe in yourself. Them. So, oh, I hate that one yeah. too. I um, love a show when it goes away. It's yeah, so hard. I watch things after they've been canceled, so it wasn't uh, my fault now. Uh-huh. Um, so, Brad, I heard you say Writing Wednesdays. Yeah, Writer Wednesdays is a uh, thing on Twitter. Okay, so, but David said we can't write about writing, even <laughs> though it is a particular area of expertise. I, that's why I do it one day a week. Okay. Because then I can talk about writing, because I do have writers who follow me. I have a lot of writers who follow me. Uh, especially on Twitter, where, you know, every other writer who's trying to make it just like me is following me. So there are a lot of us, uh, you know, so I totally have no problems tweeting out about writing. But I agree it should never dominate my feet. My feet and that's where I'm going with what I said. When I look at it as, on my Facebook page, which is where a bunch of my stuff will end up, it's kind of my dumping ground for all things, uh, I have high school friends, I have... <laughs> Work friends. I have family. People you don't want to find. I have people I haven't even known or have no clue who they are, but I'm connected to them in some six degree sort of Kevin Bacon way. And, you know, we, we know each other. So it is the most connected public square that I'm a part of. And because of that, I use it as my, you know, do I, is it okay if everybody on this list hears about it? Because not everybody on Facebook agrees with me, too. So if I post, you know, something political, I'll hear about it. Mm-hmm. If I post something, you know, writerly, I'm going to get all my writer friends going. However, if I post this nothing but my book, then, you know, undoubtedly my family member at the next family gathering will be like, God, you know, all I ever see is like you just on Facebook posting about your book, you know, and, and then I know that I've, I've, I've gone too far towards advertising. Because that's something you don't want to just sit there every day and go buy my book. I know that I'm, you know, if I'm talking about writing too much, that I'm alienating like everybody else on that Facebook feed. Because there's only, you know, I don't know, maybe half my Facebook list cares about writing. The other half clearly does not. (laughs) So. Uh, knowing that is okay. Now, Twitter and other things, that's just me going out of the public space and I don't really care. Uh, I'll join whatever hashtag, I'll throw out my opinions, you know. It, it goes out into the ethernet and dies amongst all the other tweets. <laughs> but Facebook, it's collected there and everybody is, you know, sees it. And so it's, it's a way of kind of, you know, what do they call it? Uh, code sourcing? Or, no, code switching. Code switching. Code switching. So you're saying in a previous episode, you talked about author Brad and normal Brad. Yes. Twitter is author Brad and Facebook Facebook is normal, Brad. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook is Facebook is uh, public, you know, public Brad. Brad. <laughs> me a family reunion, Brad. Social family reunion, Brad. Okay, yeah. Okay, and just real quick, I see you. I want to circle back to something, and I'm going to toss over to Fedora. Um, I mentioned there, there are some sites out there that give you the days of a year. You know what all these type of days you could celebrate were. What well, does turn out? I did have it bookmarked, and it's very simple. It's www days of a year. I'm also a big fan of the History Channel's uh, This Day in History. Yeah. History.com. Sorry, History.com. It's the History Channel. The History Channel is This Day in Ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) This Day in Ancient Aliens. This Day in Ancient Aliens. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. The, the goal, I'm going to I'll toss this over to Fedora, then back to Kathleen. But the goal, really, of reaching your readers is to get a, build a community and get them talking. So that way, when you get something that you've got out there that you do want them to pay attention to, like 
a new book. This is what you did. This is, this is the way you get somebody to promote to. So go ahead, Fedora. Did you have yours up? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then Kathleen, and then back to Brad. Now, it seems to me that uh, what you want to do with the people in your various communities, and I think you need to have more than one, just the way I think you need to have more than one mailbox. I have several, because keeping things organized and keeping expectations alive this of a, a certain variety are very key. I have email from uh, webmail. Okay, that, that, when you said mailbox, I'm like... Yeah. I had a thought of all these boxes lined up in front of your house. (laughs) (laughs) I would do that, but they won't let me. (laughs) But anyway, I I think that you are wearing different hats with Mm -hmm. these different uh, means of communicating with people so that, for me, on Facebook, I am History Fedora, and I am Personal Appearance Writer Fedora. That's who I am as Fedora Amos author. And if I want to write about writing, I'm going to go through Sisters in Crime because people who go there expect writing. Uh They expect it to be about mysteries. So if I want to talk about mysteries and writing, I do a blog on Sisters in Crime's blog or do something on their Facebook or whatever. Because I think you can use different communities that you belong to to get to different people, which is a very good thing. And they have expectations based upon what you generally put out there. And that's what they're looking for. So it's a built-in audience that you can create a community with. And go to Kathleen and the Bread Nest. So you, you talked about communities, but how do you how do you foster a community among your readers? Right. You're jumping up and down. Yeah, uh, that's actually what I was going to talk about. So um, I have not done this. Uh, I guess we have kind of done this with St. Louis Writers Guild. I will not say I have not done it because technically, uh, you know, a bunch of us in this room have been fostering the literary community of the mm-hmm. city for the last, you know, Years. But a friend of mine, uh, Jay Draper, you know, throw out your name, Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay created the St. Louis Steampunk Society. And he did it by starting to hold steampunk uh, kind of like uh, invasions where, like, you know, people would go and we, you know, people would meet up at parks or they'd go to a certain event or uh, up to the Big River Steampunk uh, Festival up in Hannibal or to, you know, they've now gone to other, you know, venues around. Uh, And by doing that, that started a small core group of people who always showed up uh, to these events. And from that, it became a Facebook group. And from the Facebook group, uh, he merged it into something bigger with a newsletter and an actual website now. And he's teamed up with uh, the International Steampunk Society. Uh, and, you know, so it's it's now become this group where uh, Steampunk St. Louis now has a couple of thousand people, I think, uh liking it on Facebook. Um, and that's just within a year or two um, of him doing this. And it's 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 been a very kind of grassroots growing, you know, organically as an organization kind of thing to the point now where they're building a, an airship. And uh, Yeah, how's the airship coming? The airship is coming along quite well, actually. Uh, they've got most of the parts for it and they're assembling it. So. Do they accept it to fly? No, no, it's going to be for photos and stuff at like events and stuff. You'll be able to like take a picture in front of it. How big is it? It will travel pretty big. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a nice wow. big giant size. Yeah, it's impressive. Kids are uh, gonna love it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be really impressive, and it's it's something put together, and it, you know, this organization has really come together and become a thing and solidified itself into a real community of thousands of people that now encompass the entire world. And they go around like that, and there's a, you know, the newsletter, as I said, goes out every month, and uh, there's events every month, uh, multiple events every month, and to the point now where a band has formed. Uh, so, you know, in, in this organic approach to the way that we kind of build community anyway, uh, they did it by choosing a top Topic that people would gravitate towards, that people needed to come come together with, and then by having you know uh, regular events and, and regular things that people could participate in, uh, it's become this giant community of people, and it's a great community of people. It's huge, it's robust, it's really cool to see, uh, and it's it's you know total credit to to Jay and his wife Christy for everything that they have done, and it's not just the two of them; there's a whole bunch of other people involved, but uh, it's it's really amazing the way it's kind of come together. Definitely go check. Check it out. Check them out on Facebook and like them. Uh, it's Steampunk St. Louis. And then uh, I think it's, I don't remember the website. I think it's stlsteampunk.com or something like that. Uh, but you, if you type in St. Louis Steampunk, you'll all pop up. So it's it's quite amazing. And it is, it is truly the way that we talk about fostering a community and how you create a community around your property. Now, they did it by not doing it around my, you know, obviously my books or anything like that. That's hard to create that same level. They did it through steampunk. But by participating, you know, I get to be involved in that. You know, uh, the reason thousands, of, I know for a fact that a couple of thousand people read the very first chapter of Tales of the Gearblade is because it went into their newsletter and then into the International Steampunk newsletter. I got metrics and data and all that kind of stuff out of that. So for me, the lesson is trying to figure out how I can get my readers to also then foster this sort of level of community to which you will see in like, uh, my favorite right now is George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones because I'm a fan and I'm just as obsessed with all the videos and all the theories about season eight what the next book's going to have in it. Um, so I'm participating in this giant fandom, you know, as we like to say. But really, it's about, yet again, a community of people all coming together around a book and around a story and around wondering and anticipation what's coming. And that then allows us to watch countless YouTube videos <laughs> and read way too many things. Uh, so, yeah, there's, uh, these are ways you can foster a community. So, it's, it's the best ways I can put up of examples of it because I yet have been able to do this. So, Kathleen and Jen, I lost track of who was first, so. Uh, Kathleen, I'm sure, was first. Um, well, how does a writer do this about their work, especially if they don't have, like, a backlog or an HBO TV show? <laughs> I don't think George R.R. R. Martin is, like, creating the community, the fandom community that has no. sprung up around his work. Um, and he may do things that encourage it, but like that's not something he nurtured. Not in writing himself. a book for a very long time totally encourages us all to sit there and wonder and wonder. So yes, that's not. His uh, procrastination is exactly why yeah. we all want you to. What's your Martin is resentful of his fandom. He'd yeah. like them to leave him alone. Like Neil well, Gaiman. The reality is, yeah. Neil Gaiman wrote a post long ago called "George R. R. Martin is not your bitch," and you can <laughs> fill in any author name for that. Like you. Fans are not owed work by you. Like, it's nice that you're doing these things, but you they're not entitled to your work. No. And I think... I wholly agree, too, because to him if, if, frustrating. if I were in the same position as George, I would not be watching all the uh, YouTube videos, and I would not be caring what the millions of fans were saying, because I would be writing my own story and getting that out the way that I knew it needed to be, not the way fans were... 
predicting it might end up possibly if they twisted it this way, 45 degree angle. I'm gonna let Molly go. Then I've got. Now I want to answer your question, and then Jen, you're still on boat. Oh. No, you really jumped on that. Yeah, um, this made me think of this issue immediately. I don't know if it's directly a dovetail or not, but I was just reading the other day about YouTubers, the top YouTubers, the ones that are supposed to be living the dream, are super stressed out, and a lot of them are facing burnout. So I imagine that happens to authors with their production schedules, as in not being able to get the next book, but also with if you're doing stuff for your fans, that definitely promotions, YouTube videos, whatever, you can get burned out on that pretty easily, too. Well, on YouTube, that's a great example. The reason is, is cited in the article is it's the daily need to produce content. Right. They have to produce a 10-plus minute video every single day in order to stay top in YouTube's algorithm. That's the most favored way that YouTube likes to promote people. Probably. So, they don't actually tell you how they're well, doing this. It's a guess well, the, the algorithm is well-researched by yeah. people who are relying on it for their food. Right. Yeah. So, and, I mean, perfect example of what you said is not YouTube, but does everybody, and I might be dating myself out there, people, admittedly, does everybody remember the cartoon that was done in newspapers called Calvin and Hobbes? Yeah, Calvin and Hobbes. Do you know why that ended? The the artist slash author burned himself out, quit, and he brought it to a close. He did, he finished off the story. But there, he, there's a lot into that. Yes, there is, but it's, uh, that, as far as that part is concerned, that's where I'm going with it. To answer your question, you know, I have not written um, Game of Thrones, so how do I build up? stuff with my community. What do I do? For a long time, I've struggled with figuring out, okay, I was blogging like crazy about writing, which is not what I should be doing. So what should I do? Now I'm doing self-defense. So I can, because I have martial arts in my story, so I'm working on right now. So that's one way. And I don't mean just, let's talk karate either. Let's talk about, okay, how can you tell somebody's following you in the car? What, um, what do you do if somebody breaks into your house? You know, I'm taking it beyond that. Beyond just a simple, okay, well, here's how you do a karate chop and kick them in the balls four times. Which, by the way, for those people out there who say you're not allowed to kick people in the balls, do it. It is and on the street. If your life is threatened. Let's just say <laughs> <around, laughs> <right? laughs> This is an idiocracy. I don't know. Kat Stratford did it in 10 Things I Hate About You, and her life turned out well. <laughs> yes, there you go. Go ahead. You had no tell me. Jen's still with So, like, these are about, that's about, like, posting, but how do you create a community? Like, you can create posts that get you followers, but how do you get them interacting is kind of what I'm asking. There's how do you interact with do them? That. Um, one is you can build a um, special, like, I'm just going to sit on Facebook because that's where most of my people are. You can build a group page that is around what you're doing. So, in other words, there's a martial artist out there who has done has done this. I'm not going to go down his road. I'm also going to where it is, but he has built a something something page that people go to, and he posts all the time out there. And he allows some other people to post. He allows anybody to comment, but he allows some other people to post ever so often what they're doing. That's one thing. I don't exactly like the way he runs this page, but that is what something that you could do. Um, Bob Baker, who's been on this um, podcast a couple of times, he has a couple of different community pages out there that he invites people to, and they, they just form a community and start talking about anything that's allowed in that group. Talks creative stuff, so pretty wide range. Okay, um, Jen, um, the door of the door of the bread. We're oh. talking about, uh, you know, we, we ventured into Facebook. Yeah, uh, uh, we ventured into we, ven- we ventured into YouTube. Yes, and uh, that made me think of some of the most remarkable community efforts that I've witnessed. 
uh, mostly through YouTube videos, but a lot of them, like, they actually grassroots on, on Reddit and 4chan and big forum-style communities. Going to a community and bringing your media there and presenting it to the community and hoping it catches fire. Um, a couple examples of these, they're ARGs, uh, alternate reality games. Thank you. You set the, uh, it usually it starts with one post that is very, yeah, put up, uh, an example that I just learned about, I've been watching, uh, Down the Rabbit Hole, which is a, a video series, and I really should provide you with the name of the guy who does it, but I'll look that up while I'm talking. Um, uh, but Down the Rabbit Hole was highlighting an ARG by, uh, a poster that called themselves, uh, Mother Horse Eyes. Mother Horse Eyes posted as if it was real life. This, like, big, long, uh, uh, Reddit post about, uh, biological machines and using human flesh as, like, electricity conductors and triggers and uh, posting about all these crazy experiments that had been going on and the people are, you know, on Reddit see this post at the top of the Reddit front page and they're like, what is this? And then they start talking about it and then after a while, Mother Horse Eyes posts again to continue the story and then everyone who cared about the first post go, oh wait, there's another one! And for a while they weren't entirely sure if it was like an actual crazy person posting or if they were, uh, if it was something, you know, people like is this real? Are people really doing these horrible experiments? And uh, it was revealed later as it went on, you know, there was people were talking and they were spreading theories and rumors and making extra posts. They made Mother Horse Eyes their own uh, subreddit that other people were just taking the posts that Mother Horse Eyes left other places and putting it on the subreddit just to uh, collect them all together so people could study them. <laughs> Clues. Like, is it, where is this taking place? What happened? And it, and it became a wiki. Someone put them all in the wiki so we could all talk. And the it then Mother Horse Eyes revealed uh I'm an author and I this was all you know, this this is a, a novel that I was telling you all about, you know. And I think they're currently working on a book of all the ideas. But the ideas kind of grew together in this big alternate reality game where people are going, oh, what, what, what? Another one, another example of that is the uh, the SCP. Um, I, I don't know if they, you yeah, could call it an ARG, but the SCP was first introduced as, like, leaked documents from a secret government testing facility. And then there were all these sort of, like, cryptid photos that went with it, and after a while, people grabbed it and added their own cryptid photos, and then it became this big community of people who were claiming to be technicians who were putting up SCP number this, SCP number that. People made some uh, some video games. They actually made video games that you can play on Steam about different SCP numbered creatures and objects, and it's it just grew into this great big group think storytelling device. And that's how that is a community, and it's a, it, those all grew and those exist, and I know about those things because of audience participation. So when Mother Horse Eyes put up one post, everyone else grabbed on it and talked about it, and then it turned into a thing. So how do you get a community going? Find somewhere, and you create a post or a book or whatever that's interesting, and leave enough for the, for people to like ask questions about it or wonder or think or participate is a great way to hook people in and before long maybe it'll take on a life of its own if you're lucky and good uh, the, I'm still looking for the name of the guy I got too too uh, wrapped up in talking about I'm gonna let Kathleen wait look and once you find it before Kathleen you've got your dovetail to that I still got Fedora and Brad in the way oh I was gonna say that reminds me of how they got so much hype for the Blair Witch product 
project. Exactly. Um, the, and and why people were going crazy during when H.G. Wells, the, the uh, what's the name? The, the audio drama. That, uh, War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. Yeah. World, when it yeah. was the audio drama first began airing. Um, the author of Down the Rabbit Hole is Frederick Knudsen. Frederick with a K. Knudsen with a K. In the front. Hmm. So look him up on YouTube. He has a lot of little exposés about different kinds of things. And I had a great time just binging on all of his stuff. So, like, a, a common theme I'm noticing in, in, in Blair Witch War of the Worlds and uh, the SCP and, um, oh my god, is Mother Horse Eyes? Mother Horse Eyes, yes. <laughs> and uh, the Mother Horse Eyes story is that people weren't sure if it was real or not. Uh-huh. And, like, that seems, yeah, like, if it could be real, I think it sounds like people are more invested. Oh, it's like they want to be a part of this mystery. They want to help solve the mystery. Humans have a, a natural need to find answers to questions. Manipulate that in your audience, maybe. <laughs> I think that uh, Jen put her finger on something very important, and that is the notion of intrigue. That you intrigue people, you challenge them in some fashion, and they will respond. And what it's all about when you get right down to it is your own passion and your own belief in it. And it doesn't have to have anything to do with writing or you or anything else. Take, for example, at Pam DeVoe. Pam DeVoe got about a thousand followers on Facebook by writing about bread. (laughs) About bread. How to do it, what it is, and she'd get all kinds of People telling about better ways to do bread. And eventually she got a lot of people to like her. And it didn't have anything really to do with writing. But it does, in a way, have to do with you. Because it's about liking you, finding you interesting, finding you intriguing. And you can do that in person, online, lots of different ways. Right. Uh, Yeah, so, I mean... We've been talking about consistency, and I mean, that's in essence what it is, by talking about bread, by talking about books, by talking about whatever it is, by producing content on a regular basis, this is how you're going to uh, attract people, because people are going to keep coming back again and again and again and again. Uh, Real quick to throw out, uh, this is where we get the uh, docudrama and the mockumentary. Uh, Shout out to Megalodon. Um, So, you know, it is a thing. That has definitely become a, a new storytelling technique. I don't know about new, but cool. more used storytelling technique is recently. More accurate, yeah. The you know kind of fake drama or documentary. But um, anyway, what I was going to throw out is for how authors can do this uh, building of a community thing. Most of the time, it's going to start out in a fairly organic fashion, in the sense that you will have readers who will contact you about how awesome that book was, or will post reviews, or book tour blogs, or something aside from that you are doing, but your readers are starting to talk about your book. Uh, This will happen at some level where enough people have read your book to be able to start talking about it, or if the right people are reading your book and talking about it. Excited people. Yeah, excited people and people who blog about the latest books coming out. These are the people who are the best at kind of promoting uh, what's next? You know, what's the next big thing we're all supposed to care about? Uh, in doing so, in, in creating, in, in having these discussion form of people starting to talk about your books, those people will eventually gravitate back to you as the author, expecting something more. More content about the book they've just read, uh, more content about, or more news about the next in the series that's coming out, you know, what's coming next. When's that book going to be coming? Uh, does it star, you know, the same people? 
did that guy who died really die? Mm-hmm. You know, these are all questions that you're going to get. And by answering these things, you need to be communicating with the readers who contact you. Um, that will then help foster this community that wraps around your book. Um, and then as you progress into this series, hopefully more and more people get attracted in to the next book or the next thing or talking about what has happened. And that is probably the most common way I've seen author fandoms kind of ignite. Um, and then the trick is when that series ends, finding some way to ignite those people to then follow your next book. And the only thing I can tell you there is go look at the Queen JK who has actually been able to do this. She faltered and then she did it. So, you know. Go watch that or other authors who've done the same. Now, I've got two people who have dovetailed. I'm going to jump one because she almost jumped out of her seat. And then I'm going to go to Kathleen. So, Jen? Uh, I wanted to highlight an excellent example of someone who used uh, frequent posting and uh, accessibility to her benefit to become a a bestseller with, I don't know if it was all three of her trilogy, but it probably was. Or does she have four? I don't know. It's E.L. James. (laughs) With Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty yeah. Shades of Grey uh, became a novel. It was for, at first it was a fan fiction about Twilight, but it became a novel because she was posting bits of her fan fiction up like every other day, and she would answer all of her comments, and I hate to say it, it's because she's belligerent, so she replies to everyone, often angrily, <laughs> uh, if they say negative things about her work. But that, that level of engagement... Uh, got her very popular very quickly and kept her on the minds of people. Uh, I don't encourage you to pick fights with your readers because she also has a reputation of being a bit of a brat as a result of that. And also, uh, she apparently, by being like that on the set of the movies when they were filming them, uh, had she single-handedly made them worse. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because she was uh, holding up production because she was throwing temper tantrums about them changing the script. So this this is all stuff I've heard thirdhand, of course. I was not there. But uh, it's an example of someone who has become very, very successful. And her root came from already having a large community that she of, of people who enjoyed her writing that she was engaged with. You know, they knew that they could send her a note and she'd respond to it. They knew that if they put a negative review up that she'd write a paragraph or two about that, if not pages and pages, telling them every reason why their review was incorrect. Uh, but just, that was an example of engagement that I wanted to share. I'm going to come up with something here just a minute about going like Kathleen go and then I'll put up and get that, On that subject, I'm so, so glad you brought that up. Because <laughs> what I wanted to ask was, we, we talked about um, engaging directly with fans of our work, mm-hmm. but is there any etiquette for that? Because it sounds like the belligerent route kind of worked, but maybe also really didn't at all and, and has made a stain on her name. So, like, what is the etiquette when interacting with readers? Like, is it appropriate to tweet people back? Uh, I would say yes. I'd say being genuine is the most important. Here's an example of someone who does it very well who I've been following. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski is very responsive on Twitter. And he yeah. likes to answer a lot of people's tweets. A lot of people have questions about not just Babylon 5, but all of his work that he's worked on all the way back from comic books. You know, he's working on the real Ghostbusters cartoon uh, up to Sense8, which is his most recent one, which is uh, picked up by Netflix now. But uh, So he responds to questions very politely and intelligently. Sometimes he jokes. If it's if he can tell that the, the 
person commenting him is sort of trying to tell a joke, then he'll jokey joke back. Uh, but mostly he's honest and respectful, and when people disagree with him, he disagrees with them uh, honestly and respectfully as well. Someone was making some, I don't remember the exact exchange, but they were making accusations based on hearsay of the set of one of his productions, and he replied with, uh, you know, be mindful before before you spread misinformation, you should do your research, and I was there, and I will tell you that's exactly not what happened, and uh, you should probably not be yelling at people about that. And it was, uh, it was just like a lot, it was a long, you know, it was a heated debate, but he never once lost his temper and started calling names or, you know, I'm banning you all, block, 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 and, and did sort of, I'm going to call, I'm not going to call it the E.L. James route, but, uh, didn't turn into a child on Twitter. He, he was still an adult on Twitter and he was still a professional on Twitter, but it, everyone, you know, watching understood he was also a person on Twitter and that was being very accessible. The door, actually, I'm just going to say real fast. Be polite, be professional, and not, for me, have a point of killer by in the room. Go ahead. Sorry. Adora. Well, I think the most practical advice that I could give anybody is to first get out there. Yes. Get yourself visible. Get yourself visible in person. Make speeches. And I don't care whether you think you can't make one. You can. Trust me. You can. If you can write, you can write a speech. You can give a speech. Get your body out there and talk to people. You'd be surprised at how much that can uh, engender for you. For example, uh, you may not talk to the people directly in person at that speech at all, but then they email you and say, we have a book group in St. Charles, and we'd just be delighted if you could possibly come out and talk to us. And I've done it, and it's great fun. And, of course, you sell a lot of books and you make people who are going to be in your corner next book out. I was right. going to say, this sounds like personal experience, Fedora. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, and then I've still got my question, which I want to throw at everybody, but I'm going to play devil's advocate here. So, well, well only a few minutes to go. Uh, you can engage. Um, they do say that you do not never engage a bad review and never engage in rejection. Yeah. So you should never go after the one-star review person to find out why they hated the book, why, you know, never fight back with them. It was definitely more of a four-star, at least. (laughs) These are all going to be horrible conversations that end horribly and do nothing to help you. And more than likely, you're going to be seen as attacking somebody's opinion, and then you're going to have to go on the apology tour and all that kind of stuff. It's just a waste of time. It is. Uh, and the same thing goes for rejection. If you're a writer and you're getting rejections on your query letters or on your book proposals or something like that, uh, do not fire back at the agent and be like, what's wrong with you? Um, so those are times not to engage. Times to engage are definitely if you get a Twitter at. You know, if somebody like asks you a question or fires something out at you or makes a comment on a qu- something you've, you know, done, then coming back through and commenting on that is smart. That's engagement. That's uh, back and forth. Um, as you know, it's been pointed out, you're going to want to stay nice and professional and all of these kinds of things. I, I would say turn to your favorite celebrity to kind of see how different people approach this. You have like your Mark Hamill on one hand, who is sarcastic in every way, uh, compared to like, you know, Neil Gaiman, who's really just kind of witty and sarcastic. Most of the time. Neil is Uncle Neil. Yeah, exactly. And then he loves to post, like, fun things about his books and updates about American gods and stuff like that. He so, also does a lot of appearances. Yes. something good to, to 
promote about. And that's, you know, that's about the other way that you can really engage is through appearances, because when you're in public with people, there's a natural back and forth, and then people remember that, and people like tweet you, and all of that. So there is definitely time to engage. Uh, there's are, however, times when you should know not. Before I go to you, I'm going to. I will admit, right back radio has broken this rule once, <laughs> and that was due to a review left on one of our podcasts about Octavia Butler that said everybody in the room that was talking was white. And I had to jump on there immediately and defend our two ladies of color who were on there, but and Octavia Butler has personally touched Kathleen. I was like, uh, wait a minute. You didn't stay on for long if that's what you thought. We just code switch really well. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to forget my question later, so I'll just go ahead and let you Kathleen finish this out. So, uh, Brad, you mentioned, you know, never engage a bad review and never engage rejection. And I think that is entirely correct. But those things are going to make you feel things. Like uh-huh. if, if you, you know, you poured a lot of you into your, into your work, whatever it was, and those things are going to hurt. So, um, Julia Cameron says, oh, definitely write, like, fire off, not a reply, but like, journal. Like, write a letter to whoever rejected you, whoever gave you. Yes, like, but, you know, never send it. Like, it'll help you get rid of the anger and, like, say what you want to say. But then it never leaves you, it never leaves your computer or your inbox. Like, don't don't even put an email address in there. Just just remove it. Like, if you're going to hit reply, remove the email address before anything else. Abraham Lincoln did that very same thing. He wrote out letters. He wrote emails. (laughs) (laughs) Emails. But mails. Yes. <laughs> Did he never say mailboxes? E, e in that case stood for executive office. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very true. I actually do the same thing, actually, because too often am I uh, reactionary and I'll just start firing off and get all fiery or something. And then instead of posting that or repeating, you know, replying to that or, you know, trying to engage, because I have found that just because you write doesn't mean you're going to win the argument. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, and sometimes, you know, the best way to win is not to play the game. Thank you, more games. Uh, so, there, you know, these are, these are definite things that I totally do as well, but I, I would wholeheartedly agree that there's nothing wrong with writing a response so long as you never send it. So, what do I do with all the people that commented about me on Twitter earlier? Like, good things. Like, is Monthly a little late to reply? Should I just leave them? No, say thank you. Right. Say so thank you. Thank you, you so can't much. say thank you. I, 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 after a certain period of time. I think it's never too late to say thank you. Probably. Because Honestly, I appreciate that. Thank you is always nice. They never know when you saw it. Yes. So, uh, and everyone likes to thank you. It likes to, to get a smile, even if it is a year late. Thank you for this nice comment you left me. Like, oh my god, that was forever ago. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, um, tune in next week for yet another interesting topic in the writing industry. And like us or subscribe to us, whatever, on whatever platform you are listening to us on. Share it with all your fellow writing, writing friends and writing community. Because unlike everything else we've talked about, when we talked about ourselves, we are part of, we are helping in the writing community. So all we do is talk about writing in the writing industry. Take care and have a great weekend. But have a great week. Bye bye. <laughs> the new theme songs for Right Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate. All copyrights remain with her.